0: Okay, so uh, what's up, Will? Thank you so much for making the time all the way from Los Angeles, my brother. Uh, Great to have you. Love your Instagram. Love your energy. Uh, You know, I found you on Your Life Unfiltered, and at the same time, I saw your page. So I I love supercars. I'm not – I don't know all the logistics, but I love NASCAR. So I love watching, racing, and everything. I love the way you, you know, handle a camera, and you're just – really, your drive for content creation is really good so kind of wanted you on here to kind of talk about your story um and anything mental health related you know uh when it comes to doing your work the, the story you have behind you and what got you into supercars you know that'd be cool to know too
1: okay um basic story uh starts with getting into supercars i was like 12 13 years old Got um what was the game that came out need for speed Hot pursuit 2 and had a lamborghini on the front and i was like cool my whole personality is now this car so i want to do whatever it takes to get a supercar and i want to do it in la and the la dream kind of started when midnight club uh la came out and i got to drive around in the streets of la from you know north carolina and uh, i was like all right cool supercars in la that's a dream so uh, somewhere in the mix there i added in uh, a career with the air force so i went to north carolina unc uh studied media production in aerospace and uh, wow. commissioned as a lieutenant in the Air Force. I went to their space program and was the face of the West Coast space launches. So I basically talked to the media about um, what our mission was, what we were doing, what our capabilities were, things like that. When it came to SpaceX, NASA launches and uh, nuclear weapons test launches out of Vandenberg Air Force Base. I did one year in combat camera because the uh air force found my youtube channel they said cool you can make videos for us now so i I moved to utah did uh one year there um as a flight commander for the combat cam team and while i was there i was servicing my mustang at the same shop enough because it kept breaking and i met this guy named james stradman who introduced me to the world of youtube and uh between his uh affinity for supercars and my dream to do youtube and car stuff it all just kind of worked out great so in 2018 i moved to la and Chase the dream of owning a supercar, which I finally bought this year. So that's where the supercar dream started. And that's kind of a, me in a nutshell.
0: Awesome. Awesome. That's such a, so much to unpack there, the air force, you know, you just being into supercars and stuff. And I know I noticed that like on your Instagram feed, you drive like R R8. Is that yeah. your personal supercar? Or is that something you just yeah, that's kind fine. of use? Oh, wow. Okay. So that was like my dream car growing up in high school. So great to know that you have it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, so what got you, what what made you pick that kind of car? What, what was that? What was the thing that drove you to kind of, uh you know, feel like this was the car that I'm going to drive and, you know, decorate and uh, like show off in a sense, because it's a, it's a cool car. I love it. I love how low it is. Um, it's strong, you know, so. uh
1: It's, it's really simple. It was the cheapest supercar you can buy. That was the only reason. Like okay. I always wanted a Lamborghini. I have other dream cars that are supercars. Like I've always wanted the Marcia Lago, That's the one that started it all. Um, I think the STO is the greatest looking car on the planet. I I, I would much rather have that. But, you know, a sub $100,000 supercar was all I have the budget for right now. And it's got a, you know, it's got a Gardo engine in it. It's literally a detuned Lamborghini. So um, it, it made the most sense. And it was super reliable. So I knew I could get something with a transmission and an engine that I wouldn't have to replace. So the R8 made the most sense.
0: Do a lot of people, like, I guess, like, look into, like, R8s? Or you, do they usually go for the high-end stuff, like, you know, Lamborghini and stuff? Or... Does it matter? Is it just more so about your preference? Like, is it just for show or because logistically, all the internal parts and stuff could be the same, right? And then you just, okay, so you could deck it out, right? So why do people go for Lamborghini? Just the name? I guess, Yeah, or... that's, a, that's a
1: good question. So a lot of people don't realize that Lamborghini and Audi are technically both owned by Volkswagen. So like when right. I tear my car apart, I see Audi rings and Lamborghini logos on all the internals, on the transmission, on the engine, on all these different electronic components. And when you tear apart a Lamborghini, and I'm speaking from experience because I work in an exotic car shop. I'm not a tech, but I'm around cars that are disassembled all the time. And you disassemble a Huracan or a Gallardo and you see all these Audi rings on everything. And that's because everything is owned by Volkswagen. So the Huracan wow. and the Gen 2 R8 are the same car, and the Gen 1 R8 that I have in the Gardo are the same car. The only difference is the R8s are detuned from factory, but if you tune them after you buy them, you literally have a Huracan or a Gardo equivalent. The only difference is the arrow and the body on the outside um, and the brand name attached to it and definitely the price tag that comes with it um whether which one you buy i think just depends on your budget um there's people out there that like to be a little more uh low-key the r8 is called the executive supercar or even the poor man supercar um if you want to be <laughs> a little more low-key you can drive around with something a little more classy a little more subtle if you're uh if you like attention and you want to be uh, a loud uh, presence then you can't beat lamborghini so i think it just depends on what you're going for and how much money you want to spend
0: yeah, because I noticed, like in one of your Instagram pictures, you showed off like the engine and how loud it is for yeah. the R8. Is that something that came with it, or is that something you installed in your, in your car? Because it is look really fascinating, and the way you made the colors like blue and white and mm-hmm. stuff. I really like that color scheme. I, I doubt it came like that, right? You had to probably engineer it to become like that. Yeah, the car was completely stocked when
1: I bought it. It was all black, and then the exhaust was built by uh, Voodoo. So. Um, there's two companies that worked on the car. Uh, Voodoo Design um, manufactured the exhaust system, which is the center exit, which at the time of installation was the only center exit on the Gen 1 that existed. They literally built it in the shop that I work in. And then Voodoo Autosport uh, basically did all the mods to it and uh, serviced the car whenever something goes wrong or whenever we want to do something crazy like add flames. Uh, Voodoo Autosport is the brick and mortar shop that has all the lifts and the tools and the techs um, and tons of years of experience behind it. So you know, if I come in and say, hey, guys, like, I've got Bilstein coilovers we want to put on. They can slap them off. We get Voss and wheels we can put them on. We get XCOM tires we can put them on. If we need a tuner, we got wow. HD tuning coming and tune the car for flames. We want more flames, we, you know, kind of this modify it. Uh, if we needed vinyl, the wrap design came from Next Level. They teamed up on it. So there's a lot of people behind that build. Um, it's uh, it's definitely not just me. I'm just, like, the face of the guy that drives it. But there's a there's a lot of really, really high-end Uh, very credible brands behind that uh, supercar that are making it very unique.
0: That's amazing. Is that usually always the case for most supercars? Because uh, all these people are working behind the scenes. Mm. Is this something that you knew you were going to get yourself into like in this kind of business? Or was this something that just, uh, you know, like an opportunity comes your your way and knocks on your door or whatever, right? Was it one of those things? Because like, what was the story behind it? Because it seems like you're very invested into it. You're very enthusiastic towards it. And I can totally tell, like, you know, like, I, I want to get a supercar now that you're talking about it. So I'm like, damn, there's so many components to it, you know, so.
1: Yeah. So um, I think uh, I'm taking a very unconventional way of owning a supercar because I'm not in the right tax bracket to own one. Um, But that's what makes the story so interesting and relatable is because there were no shortcuts in this equation and there were no handouts. So um, you asked, like, you know, how do people pick what car to get, whether it's an R8 or a Lamborghini or, or something else? I noticed a trend because um, I spend a lot of time with people that own supercars. I go to a lot of events and things and I ask them, you know, how what was their progression like and how did they get there? And a lot of people start out with something like a BMW or an M4, like that's like first nice car, or maybe a 5.0 Mustang, um, something like that. And then they get a little faster. They usually get like a GTR or maybe an M-Series BMW or an AMG, something like that. And then they graduate from that to their first supercar, which is almost always an R8, or maybe if you can reach a little further, it's going to oh, wow. be a base level Huracan or a Gallardo. And then usually go from there to, like, McLaren and, um, like, a 570 or, uh, if you can make the jump, a 720S. Um, and then it only goes up from there. But you, you see, like, these levels. So I jumped from V6 Mustang to V10 R8. And that's because when I moved to L.A., I wanted to build a YouTube channel on affording a car that was cool enough and fast enough and relevant enough to have a YouTube channel and to go to all these events, but do it on minimum wage. So that V6 Mustang was supercharged, wrapped, runs on E85, all the mods and the wheels and everything um, through a combination of leveraging a couple of sponsors, but mostly just being really smart with my money and funneling it into one thing. So once I got that Mustang done and built, I was able to use it as a marketing tool to kind of build more of a following and get more credibility. So when I finally took the financial jump to get an R8... I had a lot of supercar related brands that wanted to hop on an R8 platform and wanted the audience whose attention I had because there's a lot of kids out there that are born with a lot of money or have business opportunities that most people don't um, or just people that are really, really good at making money. And maybe maybe they're like in their 30, late 30s or 40s or something like that. And they have the bandwidth to buy a supercar. It's not quite as fun as somebody that's younger that's doing it in a way that anyone can do it. So that was kind of the point of my YouTube channel was the journey to the supercar and how to do it in a way that didn't involve like any kind of cheat codes or anything like that. So you, you're you saying like, you want a supercar? literally just follow the progression of my YouTube channel and I map it out like from point A to B wow. exactly how I do it. I'm very transparent with how much money I make, how much I spend on the car, how much is sponsored. Like there's wow. no flexing, like it's literally like, hey, this is exactly yeah. how I'm doing it. There's no secrets here. There's no like, you know, so. That's, that's how I ended up with it. I didn't know how I was going to get there. I just knew by all means necessary. The goal was to get into a supercar, no matter what it took. I'll admit I had a goal to get there by 30. Now that I'm 29, I realize that 30 is actually kind of early to get a supercar and it takes a lot of work. And I'm still early at getting it based on how much money I have coming in, but I still made it happen. So it it is still possible. That is
0: amazing. That is amazing, and yeah, I think your story is inspiring everybody that wants to get a supercar wants to invest in that business. Because I believe you go to car shows as well, right? So I'm sure you learn a lot from these shows and just how people mm. kind of move up to, up the ladder. And I'm sure you make connections that you find people like-minded people like yourself that are also um, you know up and coming with this you know supercar business. Um, is there something that you learn from these car shows? Because uh, I feel like there's a lot of Connections there. Yes. And I also feel like there is uh, ways for people to learn who don't know much about supercars or just want to connect with people on a, you know, a very, you know, relatable level, especially if they're in a cars.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So this is going to be like such a golden takeaway of an item that I've learned. Um Car shows are a goldmine when it comes to networking and opportunities. I do more, um, I guess you could just say do more damage in the week. In the couple hours I spend on Saturday and Sunday morning at car and coffee events or late nights at Origins events and these like Fast and Furious type meetups talking and networking with people and doing business versus during the week, trying to send emails or DMS or things like that. Um, because right now my most valuable asset is not the car. It's not property. It's not like any kind of money I have saved up. It's literally my network. It is just invaluable. The people that I can just dial on my phone and call up if I need something or a connection or the business opportunities I can create with that network and just all of us share the same common passion of cars. Now, Back in, like, the boomer days, golf was that medium of shared interest where people could do business. They always say, like, oh, you want to, like, you know, go to the golf course and and chat up with people and stuff. But, you know, you go to a car show, and let's just say there's 40 supercars there, which is a normal number in Los Angeles or Orange County, um, you have 40 owners of uh, businesses or uh, marketing firms or people that understand YouTube just have been able to do it well enough to earn the supercar that they pulled up in and you have a talking piece right in front of you because everybody likes to talk about their car. So you can walk up, ask them a couple questions about their car and then boom, next thing you know, they're they're like, oh wait, you want to learn more about real estate. I happen to, you know, own this <laughs> firm that loans money or I happen to to know a lot about uh becoming a broker, etc. And you just figure that out at Sunday morning at nine o'clock for the cost of zero dollars. So I would say people that want to build a network and find a mentor or create business opportunities that they can't think of on their own, or really just even do sales, go to car events. Even if you're not into cars, just have a little bit of interest enough to be able to break a conversation. And that's all you need. And, and me going to two to five of these events per week, it compounds and I have just built the most incredible network of people that I can now use to help sponsor this car that I'm in and, and learn how to create more streams of income and and the list goes on. I think it also
0: builds confidence too, right? Cause even if you're more introverted and like you're more into the techie parts of the car and you're, you know, cause sometimes when you get so techie and stuff, uh, I feel like a lot of people who are really tech involved become naturally introvert, introverted because they're so into their work that they forget how to speak with other people. So going to these car shows, maybe they can break out of their shell, relate to someone about car stuff, but then they also find out that, Hey, there's a different world from cars and there's a way to, you know, break through that inner gap, you know, just from like a technical standpoint too. We, we, we deal with that work. We deal with that in life, you know, and I'll definitely check that out because I usually go to coffee shops uh, typically, but a car show is something I've been meaning to go. Uh yeah. it just, you know, I haven't had a chance, man, but it seems like you've learned a lot from these car shows. Uh, is there any, with all this work that you do on a day to day, is there any mental health, uh, I guess battles that you have? Um, I, I know I personally have anxiety actually due to car accidents. So mm-hmm. it's funny cause we're talking about cars, but, uh, you know, um, is there anything when it comes to like mental health that, you know, you want to voice out to people, especially with just working like the way you work and stuff because it sounds like a lot of work man and congrats to you man i tip my hat to you like that's a
1: lot of work so should be proud thanks appreciate it. um mental health related i would say um when i was in the air force it was not a fun time um uh the air force for the record has the highest number of suicides more so than and i'm pretty sure this is accurate all the other branches combined i know we're leading but i think we're more than everything put together um, the work environment is not ideal. Um, you don't get to go work where you want. You don't get to work when you want. You don't get to work for who you want. And oftentimes you don't even get to do the type of work you want to do. So when wow. you don't have that fulfillment that you're looking for, um, or if you're like me and you're in a room that has no windows, no wifi, no phones, and a really crummy internet line that only lets you use email. It's very easy to lose sight of a big vision and your goals or really just happiness in general. So I had to find other ways to create energy where where in an environment that quite frankly, sucked it out of me. Now, I don't regret being in the Air Force because it was something I always wanted to do, but it taught me something which was, um, I I felt like I was uh, almost being trapped. And I was watching all my friends graduate college and go and do all these fun things and get to chase their dreams right away when I was stuck literally in a postage postage stamp of a room, um, disconnected from the world. So I, I you know, after a couple of weeks of doing it, I was like, "All right, I have two options here. I can just um sulk and be upset about my circumstances, be a victim of my circumstances for the next several years, like a prison sentence, or I can find a way to capitalize on the silence and create a slingshot. So when I get out of the Air Force, I can pass all these people. So how can I create that slingshot, you know, where I'm actually kind of building potential energy? So when it comes time to go to L.A., I know how to pass everybody. And for me, that was reading because you don't need an Internet connection to read. You can read a book anywhere you want. So I I subscribed to Forbes magazine. I read every Forbes magazine cover to cover when it came in. If I had any downtime between meetings, anything like that. Um and then I would always have a book in the pocket of my uniform so I read a ton of books and then I would always log on to YouTube right when I got in the office because it barely barely would load a YouTube video it would take like half <laughs> a day I would pull up a podcast Or something like I would watch a lot of impact theory um, or Gary videos. I would pull up like two or three tabs and just let them load. That's how bad the internet was. And then by the end of lunch, if I'd wrapped up enough of my work, I could watch or listen to one of those videos in the background so I could learn in a different medium outside of reading. So it's just a lot of information absorption over a couple of years. And I wasn't distracted by friends or going out or spending money or anything. I was just focused and learning. So... Um, mentally it was challenging because I had to trust the process that there was a light at the end of the tunnel. There was a goal a, a, a hunger like I can't describe, to be in LA and to chase the dream that I'm living right now. And the byproduct of that is that now that I'm living the exact life that I had had envisioned every single day that I had to clock in and live a carbon copy of the previous day while in the Air Force is gratitude. Because now even when I have a bad day or I'm like, oh my God, like, you know, it's raining outside right now, it's pouring, you know, all my friends are just off doing their own thing. I got no plans, um, you know, and, uh, and it's dark at 4 PM now. Like Mm -hmm. I have every reason to just be like, oh no, today kind of sucks. So like, you know, a couple things went wrong today too. Like I have every reason to be upset, but I'm like, you know what, do you know how hard it was to get to just this average day, this average day that I'm having right now and, how it felt to be stuck in where I was before. No, today's a great day. I can literally do anything I want. I have the freedom and the bandwidth to do anything I want. Cause I created this life. So like this morning, for example, like I was just, I had a regular drive to the gym. It was pouring this morning. I was like, Oh, I could sleep in today. Right. I could do nothing. And it would be totally valid. It'd be like, you know what? Just mark it off today. And I was like, no, it's raining. Let's go get wet. Let's go. I hope it starts lightning too. So I wow. take my car out and i was like you know what i'm already late to the gym i i, I drug my feet get out but i was like you know what let's be just a little bit later and like be a kid for a minute so i i took the car to a parking lot and i was like can you drift an all-wheel drive r8 i don't know but i figured it out so i'm like drifting this car around <laughs> and i ripped the whole front splitter off the r8 the whole thing hit a puddle and it just wow and i was like you know what charge it to the game that was fun i was a kid for like 10 minutes That's that was crazy my- then I, you know, I, I finished the gym and then I went to, to work today and I was like, hey, well, how can I do some things today? How can I create, how can I find something to look forward to? So that way my mental health stays, uh, high energy. And for the record, I don't have any caffeine in my system. Like I don't, I don't, I don't take caffeine unless it's an emergency. Really? So like I'm literally running off of just pure gratitude and energy each day, which sounds crazy until you try it. And, um, And, uh, I remember talking to, uh, one of my friends, uh, Billy today, Billy Ray, she's a TikToker and, uh, we make fun of each other on TikTok all the time. She, nobody really seems to understand that we're like best friends. And I was like, we need to plan something like to look forward to, because you could die tomorrow. Like you could, it could end tomorrow for no reason. And I've had it happen to friends. I've had it happen to, to coworkers and like people in the air force. So they literally wake up the next day and they're not there. And that's like, that could be, that could be me. So how do I plan something, whether it's a trip or a purchase or a goal or something to study for or a level of credibility, something so that I can be focused on that. And then when I get to there, I can start planning the next thing. So, like, this last thing we did was SEMA, SEMA Week in Vegas was huge. Like, the car was on display in the center of the biggest car automotive trade show in the country. And the day it finished, my dopamine levels went boom. And, I, and, and my mental health was like, no, no, you're, it's all over, you know? <laughs> you know, so some people, they, they ride that wave. They're like, oh, it's all over. Now I'm sad. And I'm like, no, how do I, how do I, I need to, let's, let's do, What's next? what trip do we need to plan next what goal do we do we need to twin turbo this car do we need to make a shoe bigger fire like do i need to do i need to figure out how to buy a property amidst this like upcoming like economic crash like what's the next big power play that i can be focused on so i think having that wow. power play in mind and always be looking to the next thing and constantly planning the next thing so you have purpose and then having gratitude in the moments along the way even on average days like today um, I think are two uh, keys to me uh, keeping my mental health uh, at a high level.
0: Wow. Wow. Like, that's amazing, man. I'm, I mean, just, just seeing what you do every single day is so inspirational. Thank you. Yeah, really appreciate it. I, I think uh, you just, you know, just reading and, you know, just spending your time, all that time in the military, the discipline that came out of it, you feel like now you have so much ample time to yourself that you're yeah. just able to do so much in this life now. Right. Yeah. Th- that's what I got from everything you said. It just feels like everything that you've you know, you've honed your skills and the mental uh fortitude and the discipline that you gained is allowing you to do all these things because you're so passionate about everything. I think it's created some kind of passion and it's like a burning passion. Like I can tell you're yeah. hungry. You know, it's not, and you have a high energy without caffeine, which is also adding on to your, you know, your, your demeanor. So I love that, you know, um, is there, is there something about you that, uh, you learned also in the military when it comes to confidence and discipline? Like, was it something, uh, I guess like you learned when it comes to like, uh, focusing on just the car scene and stuff? Like, was there any of, of it, like the competitors or anything that like, how do you, not let things get to you. Because, you know, there's a lot of stuff to, you know, worry about if you do think about it. So how do you take every day at a time? Because one thing I struggle with is the scheduling sometimes, Uh, even like today, you know, like scheduling a meeting or scheduling even a call, even right. Things get pushed back. How do you assess stress? And how do you also get over that hump? You know, because sometimes there's a lot going on, right? There's people asking you for things or, you know, and you're also at the gym or you're also doing something like, how do you assess stress? And especially like, not like high high stress you know so how do you assess that
1: okay you got a. you asked a lot of questions there um i'll I'll take the first one here you said something about uh what did i learn about myself in the military that applies to the car scene maybe i think it was a combo of two um in the military there is something that is up here in level of um importance and in the car scene the same concept is here in importance and that's dependability and i filter people out of my circle almost overnight that have this level of dependability importance and i only hang with people that are up here because um people up here respect your time people up here respect their word people up here show up when they say they're going to they're going to finish something when they say they're going to do it and you don't have to think twice. It's uh, what we call a fire and forget missile in the military. You know, it, it tracks its target. You fire it, you forget about it. Same thing with a person or a friend or a person you're dating, anything like that, dependability has got to be up here. And in the military, that is the status quo. Unfortunately, I can't say the same about the industry that I'm in. And I've come across plenty of people that own very successful businesses that have endless amounts of money, that have garages full of supercars, but couldn't be bothered to, to be above here on dependability and something I've learned is that no one person holds the key to your success. No one person is the gatekeeper to whatever it is you want to do. I don't care what you want to buy, what you want, who you want to meet, like where you want to go, what title you want to have. No one person can take it from you. So if you need to cut someone out that doesn't have a, you know an equal value item to what you value as a top priority, you don't need them. And the other thing that I learned about myself in the military is having security in who you are. Because in the military, they trained me to be a leader. That meant that people depended on me, and that meant I had to make decisions, I had to make them quickly, and I had to own them if I made the wrong decision. So, if you have this extreme ownership component, you start to have confidence in yourself because you understand, "Hey, I'm the I'm the one that people look to when a decision needs to be made." So, you can't you can't have your, your um I guess your uh, confidence or your ability to execute can't be in question if you're going to be a leader, especially in the military. So same applies to you know what I do in business now, or even with like content creation. Is like you were talking about like stress, and then like if, if someone maybe like uh, there's a bad business deal, or just like whatever it is, yeah. it's like you know have some confidence in how you look, in how you speak, and 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 Talent. you know. What your brand stands for, you know, like I've had people in this industry, like, you know, try to trash my brand and my name behind my back. It happens. If you're going to have an audience that pays attention to you, if you're going to do a lot of business, you're going to have some that don't work out. It's just normal. And people are going to tell whatever narrative they want. But if you are so confident in your brand and you lay down the groundwork of what values are important to you and you stick to those, the people that really matter aren't going to care or are or, or going to um, recognize why you made whatever decision you made um, if something if someone ever speaks ill of you or something bad ever happens um, and it doubles um, in strength if you are confident in how you make your decisions and what you choose to do. But with that said, I want to stress on the um, on the big lesson that I had to learn, relearn, and relearn this year, which is extreme ownership. So if you mess up or you make the wrong decision, you reclaim all the power of the entire situation. If you take accountability for that mistake, some people see it as like a weakness or some people see it as admitting fault. But uh, the concept of extreme ownership was uh, is something that uh, the Navy SEALs came up with. And I think they know a thing or two about how to be a badass and how to have a really bulletproof uh-huh. uh, brand. So if it works for them, then it works for me.
0: Awesome. And I'm, i by the way, I'm taking notes here <laughs> Cool, because you have a lot to, lot to say. And I feel like, you know, just something, some of the things you say for me, I'm going to have to re re listen to this and just, you know, gauge more of your, you know, your time just because there's so much to learn and to understand about extreme ownership. Like how does that work? And you know, how do you, how does one take extreme ownership of themselves? Because yeah. you have to hold yourself accountable for everything. So it's, it's kind of hard. I don't know. I, I hope I could do that, but, uh, to do it like rigorously every single day is, I mean, I would be top of the world if I could do it. Right. So it's yeah. one of those things, uh, I guess you learned, but it, it, how do you, to this day, cause you're not, now you're, you know, you're a content creator. So what made you like, I guess now, like the question I'm wondering about is like, um, what made you, uh, be a content creator and how do you keep yourself accountable?
1: Okay. Um, I wanted to be a content creator uh, just because the idea of social media and having your own brand and getting just full control over your business and your lifestyle was interesting to me. And I love to create like I'm an artist at heart. Um, I grew up. My mom was like the art mom in class. So, like, I spent a lot of time around the arts and music growing up. Um, but, uh, camera, I just, I, I took a video class in high school and I was just looking around and I was like, why am I like, I was like straight up, like without sounding cocky, I was better. I was so much better than everyone else in my class at editing, like the editing software. I picked it (laughs) up so quick and I was like, oh, this is what it's like now. Like when I go to the basketball court and I'm absolute garbage and my friends are like seemingly just all good at this one sport that I literally cannot play to save my life. (laughs) Editing was my basketball. So I was like, all right, well, now let me let me dive more into this. Let me run with this like natural talent that I have, which anyone can learn editing for the record. But I just seem to have like a a knack for it. So editing and video, uh, I learned like 15 plus years ago. So I've been doing it for a long time. And just by nature of where we what time we live in now happens to be a really in demand skill set. So I got lucky. Um, and then meeting the Stradman, the YouTuber, I got to kind of see the behind the scenes of how he took a very large channel and made it one of the biggest channels in the automotive YouTube space. So getting to watch him and then also a guy that I managed life, Apollos, and see what it looks like on the inside of a successful YouTube channel was very exciting to me. Like I wanted that. Um, so, uh, just following the footsteps of them and taking their advice, I think was how I became a content creator. You asked the second question. What was it? Um, uh, to- what
0: keeps you accountable to become a content? Accountability.
1: Um, because if you stop uploading your audience go somewhere else like attention is very short-lived. So my YouTube channel has slowed down a lot lately because I've been spending more time on the Voodoo Autosport page trying to get their YouTube up and and help them build their business. Um, It's more important to me than my own YouTube channel, and I know I can always revisit mine. Um, But I really double down on TikTok. Uh, TikTok and Instagram Reels are where the attention is at right now, the short format videos. And um, they don't take very long to make, so I can make a lot of them for my channel and Voodoo Autosports. The guy that I do – uh, marketing for and content creation. So um, our, our IGs and our TikToks are on fire. Like we're getting millions and millions and millions of views on these like little short videos. So uh, oh, the accountability is that if I go a day without uploading a piece of content to either channel, what is the point of, of this? Like, am I, th- that's why I'm here. That's what I'm doing. My, my whole life is cars. Like if I don't upload a piece of content, then I just wasted the day. So like at a bare minimum, you gotta upload something. And then if I don't upload, if I don't create, because I've done this before, like I'll go a couple days, like, you know, you just get kind of burnt out, that yeah. that inspiration starts to build up and that that itch to, to make something new starts to like resurface um, because creativity is not like motivation or like drinking a Red Bull. You can't just get it when you need it. Sometimes it just has to hit, which also translates to me staying up late sometimes or getting, you know, pushing back something or canceling something because that creative energy will hit and you know it if you're a creator, you know what it feels like. You have to act on it. You have to make as much as you can in that moment. Sometimes not eating. Sometimes like I'll be up to like 4 a.m. editing because I'm like editing a photo and I'll be like, okay, let me do this one next and this one next. And I'll be like 50 photos deep. And I'm like, oh shoot, I'm I'm screwed tomorrow, but it was worth it because I had creative energy randomly from 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. and I just had to use it, you know, when it was there. So um, that helps with the accountability, you know, building up content when you're feeling the energy so that way you have something to post when you're not feeling the energy. Um, but just recognizing the fact that if you stop uploading and you wait too long, your audience that you work so hard to win the attention of, will go somewhere else. Same thing with a girl, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> you got to put in Yo, the effort. Of
0: course, bro. You got to put in the work, right? You know, right now I'm putting in work too with that. So, you know, gotta, gotta always do it. But no, I completely feel that, man. I mean, sometimes like I get that like itch to be creative all the time. And, uh, when I upload, I upload, but then when I don't, I always feel like this weird urge to like uh like I'm not doing enough or I'm not good enough or I need to like just upload like tomorrow but then I also realize too like cadence is very important and also understanding quality piece of content so like understanding like what I'm posting is important, you know. Like for you, uh, I'm, I'm thinking right now. Like having you on the podcast will bring a lot of diversity. And second of all, understanding of new knowledge, extreme ownership, uh, understanding how it's in the life of somebody that handles supercars. Also understands driving, but also at, at, like um, like you know cars. But at the same time, like was in the military, understands discipline and understands accountability. I think that will bring a lot of growth towards people who want mental health advice and at the same time even if you know uh not everybody else has mental health struggles i'll be honest you know like some people are like some people just are very like strong-minded and they don't know what certain things in mental health are but i think it's good to take away from those people too because having a strong mindset can also Mm -hmm. help you you know practice everything like gratitude every day like i write things down all the time to be better you know because there's Areas I'm not weakened, but like for you, you know, you have a knack for creativity and especially editing and uploading every single day, you know, uh, with me, I'm more of that basketball player, like you said, but I learned to edit and I learned to like, find like what I'm good at. And it's like understanding how people work and, you know, it's just, it's just great, you know? So definitely. Cool, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. So, uh, so are you, um, right now, are you planning on, I guess, like focusing on just cars and content creation? Or are you also p- planning on moving elsewhere too? Is LA like the hotspot right now? Cause I've heard Miami is also very big as well for content creation. So what's your take on that? You know, cause I feel like you're meeting all these uh, models too at car shows and stuff. And what do they tell you? Do they tell you like the move is LA the move is like somewhere else. Like
1: how does that work? Okay. Uh, first of all, I wouldn't, I wouldn't listen to models on like where the move is. I think they go, they'll they'll show up wherever the action is so i would i don't think they're a good barometer on where to go true, true. Um, yeah. <laughs> but the uh the um move for me is always gonna be la um i've always wanted to be there and i'm in orange county now like an hour south because the crime rate in la is absolutely ridiculous and i lived yeah, there two, i lived in hollywood for two years and i loved it um and actually it was three years and i had to leave because uh, you get you get yanked out of your car in broad daylight literally and i had friends get yanked out of their car in yeah. beverly hills to to have a watch stolen or potentially get stabbed and i was like nah i'm good i don't need any of that so um i'm gonna stick around in orange county because the car scene here is unmatched like i literally i'll go to a cars and coffee this saturday and i will see hyper cars. like i will see koenigsegg's and Pagani's and bugatti's on a regular basis i saw an f40 and a bugatti yesterday like today i saw a 720 an sto a nine a gt3 rs and like, you just, they're all over this area. So I'm right where I need to be. The next move for me is going to be real estate. Because when I talk to a lot of these supercar owners, the guys that have the really cool supercars, you know, like the ones I want, um, they all have one thing in common and that is real estate. Either they are loosely involved where they are an investor or they have multiple rental properties or they have commercials, real estate, or they buy and sell yeah. something. So I need to learn how to get more equity in property and also how to rent it out or to be a broker, something, um, which I'm studying right now. And remember, I talked about always having like that, that next beacon, that next thing to look at. Um, My two things right now is a cruise with my friends, uh, like a boat cruise, something fun. And then something I'm working for, which uh, for me for a while was SEMA. And now it's going to be to be an MLO, a broker for um, real estate in Orange County. So. Um, that, that's what's next. Cause I don't want to drive an R8 forever, man. I want an STO. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Real estate's uh, popping right now. You know, I actually got a, a real estate property too, like during the pandemic. Nice. So having a multifamily property was really, really beneficial for me. It was like a brand new property that came from the ground up. So you get that nice. one year of coverage from the builder and then you get 10 years of structural coverage. Nice. So that was awesome. And it was just, I, I work from home. So, you know, just having that passive income and the ability yep. to kind of travel everywhere. I That's mean, awesome. I think I think you and me both know we both want freedom, right? In different yeah. forms, right? Yours could be a car whipping it out, going everywhere, you know, you know, just like traveling the world. Mine could be just like traveling from different country to country. But then they mm. we just want to just have fun and freedom, right? But real estate is definitely popping, man. I mean, right now like the interest rates a little high, but um, you know, as you know, I think but down. uh
1: I think it'll come down. Yep. Yeah, We'll see that I think so,
0: I think so. I mean, I do work for the fed so <laughs> but um no, no, no i i i i can't I can't really i i have no idea if it will come down or not, but um you, you, you know right now, I mean during the pandemic it was a great time to invest, that's all I'll yeah. say yeah so yeah. but real real uh but what so I guess with real estate is there any anything you're trying to find out or you're just trying to find out like go for the license and then um you know see how it is to become like a real estate broker.
1: Yeah, so um, something interesting I've learned is merging skill sets and interests from previous careers to create unique opportunities. So I have a military background. I also am very plugged in in the car scene. And my next frontier is real estate. So um, being a veteran, I have access to the VA loan, which I can leverage to get more rental properties. If you don't, if you're a veteran, you don't know what the VA loan is, you need to learn because that is a huge opportunity. Um, While I was at a supercar event, um, I saw a McLaren with ridiculous holographic blue wheels. And I was like, cool, I want to meet that guy. So I walked up to him and introduced myself. And we connected, we ended up becoming good friends. Turns out he owns a massive like real estate firm where he uh, lends out capital uh, for people to buy properties. So uh, he's, he's a mortgage firm. So um, he told me, he was like, if you want to drive a faster car, you need to become a broker for two reasons. One, you can help me get more business. And two, um, it will teach you how to uh, buy and rent out your own properties, leveraging that VA loan. So how I can be an asset to his company is I have base access as a reserve. I'm still a reserve captain. I can bring my supercar on base, park it, and then arrange meetings with active duty troops to teach them How to use that uh va loan and um by doing that i am brokering deals for his mortgage firm now he gets the w because i'm bringing him a lot of business the veterans get a w because early on in their career they're figuring out how to use a loan that's going to earn them a lot of money in the long run and then i get a w because not only am i using that same loan to do the same thing i'm teaching them how to do um but i'm brokering deals in between so uh, and, and then fitting that all in with content creation, so it's it's a great way to scale, um, like you mentioned, passive income, but also use the access and tools and experiences that I had from previous careers and applying it uh, to anybody can do real estate, but not everybody can do real estate as an Air Force captain. So I'm, I'm you know, no. there's a quote that I read. Uh, recently it said life is unfair make it unfair to your advantage you know so not everybody can join the air force and not Very everybody cool. has a VA loan but I do what what is your VA loan what is your air force like what is the thing that you have that most people don't that you can merge with a basic opportunity like real estate or marketing or whatever it is you want to get into to create something unique that only you can offer that's that's what I'm doing no that's that's
0: that's amazing and 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 real estate too like you in this past year man I mean the number of people I know that became real estate agents is insane, like yeah. it's a shit ton yeah. of people, and they're doing all these reels and stuff because in class. So funny thing you didn't know is like I actually went for the real estate uh, license too, but I didn't end up pursuing it because it was conflicting with work. But my mom's a mortgage loan originator, so she does the rates and stuff, the percentages. Yeah, that's
1: what I'm going to do. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. MLO. Oh, so you're going to do mor- mortgage loan? Or- Not a real originator. estate agent. Yeah, MLO
0: mlo okay perfect so maybe we can connect after but anyways uh you know for guidance or something but anyways like that is the thing that like i feel like a lot of people were would go in as real estate and they would kind of show in the houses but if you confuse that with just cars and stuff and you already have experience with reels it's going to make you so much more content just because people love to see the prices of houses the areas your geographic location and even in classes they teach you like like first thing nowadays is like, oh, go on Instagram and make a real estate account and then just sell yourself. So even as an MLO, you can, you know, brand yourself, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So and have a LinkedIn. So I think that's that's really interesting, dude. Um, is there any questions you have for me, by the way? Or, uh, you know, I, w- I would love to know because I think uh, I've asked you enough questions for the day.
1: <laughs> oh, it's all good, man. Well, um, I mean, like, what's what's your goal with this podcast?
0: Uh, so I want to make an impact on the world. Uh, so I, I personally had, uh, kind of like a mental health, like, you know, just epiphany, like few, few years back, I kind of had like an incident that happened. Um, but from this, I kind of want to be, understand people and understand like the perspective perspectives they have to go through, whether it's career, whether it's experiences, whether it's different kinds of, uh, you know, diversity that comes up or different kinds of perspectives. I want to know like their struggles and their paths. And I'm just a very curious person to understand like how the world works and how people work. Cause I've always been big on diversity growing up. I had a diverse set of friends, Hispanic, Hispanic, uh, Arabic, Indian. You know, and all kinds of different kinds of diversity. So I wanted to know how people work. Um, so that's my, my motivation behind it. I'm kind of doing it for, uh, you know, just my own hobby and passion. And it's more so about more about understanding people than rather than making money. I mean, you know, to to fund the channel would be nice, but at the same time, I'm kind of doing it to just kind of get to know people. And, you know, I think you're great to, like, understand, too, because everyone has a story, right? And no matter what, you're never going to run out of people's individualism. So I love to make an impact. And, I'm, you know, there's the reason I got into this is because of Jay Shetty. I read the book Think Like a Monk. And, nice. to, you know, just to, to, to listen to someone and to come with a calm mind and just be open to people, like me not knowing shit about supercars because I'm not a car guy makes me feel like I'm very interested to know now because I talked to you. But if I thought I knew and I looked everything up, then we just had that same conversation of oh little little things. But to learn and be a student of something, it's very hard because you're learning something from someone every new something every day, you know. So yeah. That's that's my motivation, man. I just want to be an impact on the world and do badass things and just have fun with this, you know? So nice. I like it. Yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate it. So yep. Sounds good. So thank you so much for coming on. If you have any, uh, if you, we can, we should connect after, but other than that, I really appreciate your perspective. It's really impactful. And I think, uh, you have a lot to bring. So thank you so much. And hopefully you come on again, you know, I'd love to yeah,
1: You having me for sure. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it.